cliffcentral.com Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on clivecentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. Cliffcentral.com Cliffcentral.com Alright, welcome to The Bounce Show, 5th of September. Big, big show today. We've got an Xbox in the studio. And, uh, well, it's a very big week for Springbok news in general. I've been writing a few things and people have been very angry. And, well, everybody loves a winner, right? And the Springboks have been much loved in the past when they were winning. But the last few years, we've been sold all kinds of stories about how it's a process and we're getting there and we're trying new things and, you know, you've got to respect the players, this, this and that. I think the whole Bok supporting public is kind of getting a little bit upset with all this they're getting a little bit impatient with all this so i thought getting in dave dave van heston dave is that how you i pronounce your name properly uh that is how you pronounce it it's david von heston but uh david von heston i kind of get i gave up after a while when i was living in kimberley and kept people kept saying dave von heston dave von heston and i ended up just going yeah dave von heston also if you try getting afrikaans you got to say von instead of fun <laughs> it was difficult <laughs> I guess there's also going to be more of a, more of a challenge. So Dave's going to be in here to, well, I think ask or answer a lot of my questions. I'm a very curious person. You can tell by my blogging style. I throw a lot of stuff out there. And, uh, this week, actually, I threw out an open letter to Brendan Fenter, who has now blocked me and the entire supporting block public out there on Twitter. Of course, I'll never get an answer from that. So I thought if I bring in Dave, Dave's a guy who's obviously been around the block more than a few occasions. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, Dave, of course. You're, none taken. You're an experienced man. You're, you're 42 years of age. So you're eventually, you're older than me, which means your seniority is already secured. <laughs> But of course, Dave's done the whole thing. Dave's been a fantastic young uh, age group player. He went to the levels of Curry Cup. Uh, Grick was probably best side I've ever known about. Dave was instrumental to that team. He then played for the box. He's played Super Rugby. He's played overseas. This guy knows everything you need to know about rugby right now. And maybe he can give some better insights than maybe a box coach that's saying that, well, we're not going to beat the All Blacks this weekend. Yeah, the, like the things that we get fed in the media aren't that great. So that is what today's show is going to be. If you want to get in touch with the show live on WhatsApp, 079-748-2090. If you want to tweet any questions through to Dave or just anything about the show today, me at Follow the Bounce. Just go for that one. Um, wow, there's already a couple of questions here for you, Dave. I am have to screen these. <laughs> So yeah, that's how you get involved in the show. Otherwise, on the WeChat, if you're listening via WeChat, it's just the Cliff Central official account. And today, um, if everyone know what the show looks like, well, if you're listening live a little bit later when I put this show onto the Bounce of Seattle it will be in a visual form. I'll make a little video around this because i got Dave in studio. This is why I'm doing it. Dave, if it was just me, I wouldn't even bother. <laughs> all right. So um, we, uh, look, obviously, I won't touch on all the big things that are happening in sport right now because, well, there are times for that. Today, it's all about the box and it's all about Dave who has come into the studio today. Dave, do you do um, do you do many interviews like this? Um, I've I've had a foray into a bit of commentating. Really enjoyed that. Um, I do a couple of interviews. I do a lot of stuff with the SA Legends, so they're always interviewing us on that on that show. Um, so not used to it. Yeah, I try. I mean, obviously not normally as a as controversial as Cliff Central, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, you're, you're putting us on, on, on right off the bat. There, we're not controversial. <laughs> we like truth. So well, Dave, I'm happy see- with that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Obviously, growing up in South Africa as a young, talented schoolboy, you went to Bishops, right? I went to Bishops, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, it's obviously the big dreams to play for the box. That is what every kid who is from back in the day playing in, um, and like the back garden rugby with siblings, whatever it is, playing yeah. for the box is the ultimate. It was. I mean, and it was from a very young age that, uh, that I wanted to play for the box. Um, you know, I think we should maybe talk about that. I mean, that, that still is one of the best teams I was ever, I was ever, ever involved in. My 92 well, team at Bishop. It was. It, I mean, we played the it rugby. It takes two minutes for a Bishop's Bishop boy to, to tell you. How do you know that he went to Bishop's? How do you yeah. know someone went to Bishop's? Because they normally tell you. You beat me to it, so I have to say something. Um, but it was one of the best teams I was involved in because the kind of rugby played is what New Zealanders play now. It's yeah. what we were taught by Basil Bay. Um, we, <laughs> we were, we were taught running rugby. We were taught to running lines. We were taught, um, you know, to do support lines and we we're taught skills. Yeah. And suddenly I, I left, I, I left, you know, school rugby and I was taught a completely different type of rugby where it was, you know, intimidation and bashing it up and it was different for me. It wasn't the rugby that I learned. So New Zealand rugby is the, is the rugby that, 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 that inspires me. It's what I think we should have been playing all along. Yes, we've got, you know, big players, and, but we can't even intimidate the All Blacks anymore. Far from it, no, in any kind of confrontation. But it's a good point you raise here. Now, that's another reason why I wanted to get you into there. I think your career has been one that has seen, like I said, been around the block more than a few times. You've seen different elements and maybe what we, what's been falling out as to why the box are where they are right now. Now, I went to one big boys high school, also one of the Cape schools there, so we played against you guys twice a year. But you guys just have knives in your socks, didn't you? <laughs> Well, okay, we'll get the stereotypes out of the way early on here. And, um, no, but you're so right. Like, schoolboy rugby, I still believe, is one of the greatest things you can watch. Because like, you watch stuff and the kids throw the ball around because, because they're enjoying it. They're enjoying it. There we okay. go. I mean, listen, we, I mean, I, I need to mention, I mean, in my team, I had Herschel Gibbs at Flyhoff, who, you know, we all believe would have been a Springbok if he decided to go that route. Yeah. We had Robbie Fleck on the bench because <laughs> he couldn't make the first team. And we had Salbon Boom at Eighth Man. But that's, so, that's because he went to Weinberg and you guys were being horrible. <laughs> we were being horrible too. We obviously came through eventually. Uh, and, and deservedly so. But I mean, that's how good our, t- our 92 team was. It was a, re- it was a really good rugby team and it had some really talented players in it. So from there, obviously, like you said, I mean, the, look, the Bishops under Basil Bay, it was always about running the ball wonderfully well. From your yeah. own half, it was always about running it. a very simplistic, very interesting form of rugby to kind of play against because it would be, con- well, we always knew it was going to be a tough game. Yeah. You play against the Afrikaans schools, they either had beards or were just two foot taller than you. And they weren't wearing rugby boots either. You, exactly. play <laughs> you play against Saxa Rondebosch, you're basically playing against kids who can't be away from their mother for more than five minutes. <laughs> but with you guys, it was. And it was yeah. great running rugby, obviously, under Basil Bay. It was. So from there... Where did you, where, where did your career take you from that? Well, I decided, um, whether it was a bright decision or not, I decided to go to Stellenbosch University. It probably would have been a, a better idea to go to UCT, but my parents had been at, at Stellenbosch. It's, it's the biggest rugby club still in the world. Yep. Um, so we have no excuse for, for depth, which is the biggest rugby club in the world. Um, but, uh, and so I decided to go to Stellenbosch and I thought if I could make it at Stellenbosch, I could make it anywhere. So that was my decision. So I went there, struggled along, um, I still remember getting dropped from the first team into Corsas twice in one season. I played for the first team, got man of the match, and in the following week I got back on the looked on the board and I thought it was a mistake. Arrived and Davi Snaman was the coach and I went to him and I was like, um, Davi, you know, why have I been dropped? I mean, I'd say, oh, where, where's my name? He goes, oh, put his hand on my shoulder. Oh, Dave, why did I drop you? Why did I drop you? And you go, yeah, you're in Corsas this week. And I literally had to go back to my Corsas, play there and slowly work my way back again. Was that because he felt that you were a talent that needed to be hardened up, or was he just being? Possibly. Dead? I mean, listen, I, I, a bit of both, I think. <laughs> 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, I still try and understand it. Um, I th- you know, the mentality back then was, you know, there, there was a lot of Afrikaans at Selimosh. All our, you know, all our, all our um, uh, lectures were in, were in Afrikaans. Yeah. I, I was a Soti. I like, I, I, yeah, and I, I think I tried to grow my hair at that stage because I always wanted to believe it. I, I mean, I always wanted to when I left school. Uh, at school, I had this ridiculous middle parting. So I, I, I it was, was the still, 90s stage. You're forgiving. Yeah, I, I, I'm forgiven. Hopefully. <laughs> And then do you feel from going from school rugby into the university setup, was rugby becoming more restrictive? Was it more competitive? You know, was it tighter, less enjoyable? No, I love Stellenbosch University rugby. Eh? So I, it, was, I really, it was still in, in, the, in that frame. It was still free-flowing. It was rugby. free-flowing. And I, I mean, the, the, the struggles I had, well, I suppose the struggles any rugby player will have, you know, and maybe I did need to be hardened up, to be honest. Um, you know, I think things had come easy to me up until then and, and at, at, at Bishops we, we won pretty much everything we, we beat all the big schools I mean we beat uh, Cornet Krikas Paul Boys we beat um, Paul Jim we, we thumped Paul Jim we, th- uh, we thumped Paul Riss so it, you know things are supposed to become a bit easy I suppose so I got to Stellenbosch I probably needed to be hardened up a bit uh, and maybe that's one of the reasons Davi, uh, Davi Snayman did that to me maybe to harden me up it worked you weren't dating his daughter or anything like that <laughs> No, 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 no. I was, uh, no, I wasn't, I was not dating his daughter. Okay. So, I mean, from here, the, the progress is, is pretty solid. You went to a fantastic school, great pedigree. You were with a, a, a tremendous crop of players. Stellenbosch University, it's still, it is still the, the biggest rugby club in the world, as you say. Yeah. Uh, from there, it would have been straight to be like, how do I get into the province team? Was that the next goal? That was the next goal. I played province under twenty one. Yeah. Um, I, I did. I have this tendency to drift, and I, I've, I've, I've got to give a special mention to my uncle, uh, honestly, because I'd started to drift and I'd started to become a normal student, a regular student, and and uh, go out and party well, a bit. Brainy, and dollar brainy coke for like ten bucks back in those days. Ex- exactly. Sure. I mean, you can't turn that down. Uh, and then my uncle t- t- took me out one night. I remember it was the twenty seventh of December. I can't remember the exact year. I could if I thought about it, but I can't the exact year but he uh, he said come we're going to go out for a few drinks and I thought this is great my uncle wants to take me on the on the piss you know so yeah. went out with him and he got me properly drunk um, where I vomited a few times and he kept giving me more and more and more to drink and the next morning when I woke up he, he then came up and I had the world's worst hangover and he says to me okay Dave what do you want to do with your life he says you can I mean if you want to do that every night and go get pissed awesome that's amazing but you have a talent. Like these students, they don't know what they want to do with their lives. They're still trying to work it out. You know, they, they, they're still deciding what degrees to do. You know what you're good at. And you're good enough to play for the box. But you're pissing it away. So make a choice. Carry on. I don't care. It's your life. Or you can focus. And it was literally from that day I didn't touch a drink. And I trained my ass off. Uh, this, I mean, this must have been 97, I think. Uh, or 96, one of the two. And literally from there, I, I, you know, I stopped getting messed around by, by the coaches at Stellenbosch. I started to play in the first team more regularly. Yeah. And I, start, I teamed up with uh, the, 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 well, obviously the infamous combination of myself and Khafi de Toy. Right. And that's where I met Khafi. And, and we started to play more regularly for the first team. And uh, that's when we got spotted by uh, Andre Makhrov. Okay, so back then, obviously, you had the links with Western Province, and that was very much the dream. Yeah. Now, with these big unions, we all know that talent doesn't always go in – Straight up, you know, other other unions have opportunities for guys, and you're thinking, well, I can either sit on the bench or I can go play first team rugby. Was that kind of the consideration with with Andre Markov giving the opportunity? Yeah, okay. Well, let, let, let's put it like this: uh, I was invited to a Western Province after the Western Province under 21. After I'd finished Western Province under 21, I was invited to a Western Province training session where with where. Uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, the coach who owns most of Amanus. Oh, Harry. Harry Fillion. Fillion. 
Yeah, so he invited me to a training session, uh, one training session. I held bags for the entire session, and then was the, the message I got was I was too small to play professional rugby. But you great at holding bags. But I was great at holding bags. <laughs> it was a great, se- rugby it was a great session. Um, and then so I went back to Stellenbosch, um, and I remember a guy called Charles Holwell who was, who was playing lock for us, and he, was, he missed a game. And the following week, I asked him on the Monday, I said, where were you last weekend? He said, no, he went for a trial at Griquas. So I said, Greek was Kimberley. He said, yeah. I said, why would you go there? I said, wild horses couldn't drag me there. <laughs> I'm not, honestly, this is a true story. I said, wild horses couldn't drag me there. And then the end of the season came and I, and they, um, I don't know, I, I, I think it was Yuppie Adlam, I think that province signed, if I remember correctly. He no, was, was like a flanker. He was the fourth loose board. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he's that guy. So they, they, they contracted him and I was like, clearly, okay, I'm not in the plans for Western province here. And, I then got a, I used to live in a, a dormitory, well, no, not in a, in a commune, whatever you want to call it. And we had a ticky box in our house. And one day I got a call and one of my housemates came and said, Andre Markroff's on the, on the phone to you. So I was like, what? So I went, went to the phone, picked up and said, hello, David, it's Andre Markroff here. And I went, yeah, sure. <laughs> Seriously, who's this? He said, no, it's Andre Markroff. <laughs> and he said, I've been watching you and I, I want, uh, you and Khafi and, uh, I can't remember if there was one or two others, but I want you to come, come to Griquas. I'm putting a team together, and I'd like you to, to come. And, and I think the main reason I went was because Khafi was going, and I, I knew yeah, sure. how, our, what our combination was like. So, And obviously, I mean, he was a prodigious talent from an early age. He was big, massive strong, talent. massive I mean, boots. I, and I, I still, to this day, I, I just he could have been a great. He genuinely could have been a great in South African rugby. Yeah, it's, look, it is kind of sad. That's the thing I want to touch upon today is, is how talent is developed in this country. So, I mean, obviously, you're given the opportunity. You can go play Curry Cup. You're young and impressionable. At the same time, you're smart enough to know this is your career and this is an opportunity to go forth. Was it as simple as going there and going, okay, cool, this is me? Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm an impulsive kind of guy. And um, I don't think I thought it through very hard besides that Khafi was going. Um, and when I remember driving in in my little city golf, and seeing all the red sand and, uh, and the khaki shorts and going, uh oh, okay, what have I done here? <laughs> so I got there and, uh, I made a decision very quickly that I was, by the way, I lived in, the, in a, in the only house that you could probably see from space. I arrived at night and it, it was like glowing. It was bright yellow with a blue roof. And I'm not joking. It, it sticks to me to this day. Uh, it's, it, so this was Kimberly and I got there and I thought, okay, I've got to play really well because I've got to get myself out of here. I've got to play myself into a big team. Um, and that was kind wow, of my thought process. That's such a great way of going about it. Well, <laughs> I knew I couldn't. I, listen, I'm a society man at heart. Well, look, you weren't looking to meet someone and settle down in Kimberley, I take it. <laughs> no, I knew that this was, uh, I mean, this, I love my time. Don't get me wrong. I love my time at Greek because the, the, the people, the, uh, the, the coaches that we had, I mean, were, were amazing. Uh, and, and it was one of the reasons that I managed to play good rugby because uh, Andre Markov was one of the most amazing coaches, amazing people I've, I've ever met. Uh, there was Doc Poole as well, who was a tough character, but he got the best out of you. And I I loved that setup and I loved the guys. The guys were amazing. It just wasn't where I was going to be, you know, buying my holiday home or yeah, sure. setting up life. But I mean, you were still very young at the stage and Greek was fantastic. I mean, was it the 98 season? It was the 98 season. 98 yeah. season. That, with you and, you and Khafi as the halfback pairing, that team was solid. I mean, it really was. And th- that was back when the Curry Cup still meant a fair amount. Yeah. And you guys were looking like you're going to be fair. So you had a home final, right? We had, no, we see, this is the thing. We actually, we, we had, we'd won every game in the, in the, in the, the group stages, so to yeah. speak. And we got, to, we had a home semi final and we had this freak thunderstorm where we had to delay the game by two hours. And most of our guys had 
never seen rain in their lives. <laughs> you know, this is the I felt. Um, so, and it was like a freak thunderstorm that was really bad. And and pr- we were playing against Western Province, and it was and it suited them down to the ground. Sure. It, it put our guys out, and we ended up losing uh, in a game that we really should have won, and we would have then had a home final as well. Oh, that must have been so heartbreaking. But now, what? You were twenty two, twenty three at the stage, somewhere that something like that. And from there, I mean, where did you think your career was going to be next after this? You've had a great season with Brickwoods. What did you think was the next step for you? At that stage, I wasn't thinking about where next. I knew it would. I would obviously, my heart is always, it was always with Province. I mean, it had been my dream to to, to play Western Province. Um, you know, obviously the Springboks, but I wanted to play Province. That's the, that's the team I used to the Coral Duplessis of the world. That's sure. that was the, those are the guys I looked up to. You know, uh, Devon Serpentine, still one of my heroes. You know, um, and uh, and I yeah, to, I, I, that's that was what I wanted to do, but that opportunity never came. Um, funny enough, it did in 2000. I, I got, I got drafted to play one season there for the, for the storm, for the stormers, which I loved. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, the next step I was then, uh, well, this is how it actually worked. Is it, uh, uh, while I was getting, um, while I was that whole month and a half that I was with the Springboks, um, Andre Markroff. Oh, David, you're jumping far ahead here. Okay. So. <laughs> no, but you ask you about the step. I, I guess it's that, that Andre Markroff had, had decided to, uh, or he had been, he'd been signed as the coach for the Sharks. Yeah. And so he wanted to take players with him that he obviously believed in. And I was one of those lucky enough to be one of those guys. Okay. So that was the next step. It was, it was, it was just, you know, I was following, you know, the coach that had, I was following the coach that had, had helped me get my career to where it had been at that stage. Okay. But as we all know from the record books, you went from there basically to the Springbok setup. 1999 was a huge year in your life. It was. And, and how did that come about? I mean, was it again another phone call you didn't quite believe, or it, it was it, a little? It, I I I I kind of be, I believed that I was good enough. I, I believed, you know, maybe naively so that you're going to be picked at 22. You know, remember there's a the thing we haven't touched on is that in in back in those days, back in those days there was quite a void between leaving school. And then making your first team varsity. You know, it's not like right. now the guys are drafted out of school. They already have contracts and they they go into academies and all kinds of things. They, so the maturity of the players is, you know, it happens a lot quicker these days. So you get a guy like Ricky Leone or whatever that's, that's, uh, that comes in at 20 years old and is ready to play test rugby. We weren't at that stage. You know, there's no, there's no, there was no, um, you, you don't have mentors. You don't have anyone to groom. You'd have no one to blood you. You've no, nothing. You just, you have this void and you've got to get through that yourself. Um, I kind of lost the track of what I was saying, but there's well, just the, the progression from Curry Cup to the, the Springboks. Yeah, so I so I naively believed. I mean, that that I was good enough and I played well enough in that season. There were and there were articles saying that you know these are the next guys that are going to be coming through, but you know in the back of the mind you you, you don't you don't really know. Um, but then I got a call. For, actually, the call came from Andre Markroff to say to me, Dave, listen, I need I need to be ready. There's going to be a um, there's going to be an announcement on TV or whatever it was going to be that night, and that I was going to be a Springbok. Uh, it was just obviously one of the that feeling you can't you can't explain that feeling. I, I can sit here and try and explain it to you, um, but I can't. It is just well, it, it came from him, so you could therefore trust it. Of course, you can trust it. Yeah, and you know, in all in all respect to the process, I mean, your career was on the up and up. You, you're not showing any signs of slowing down. You're a young, talented guy coming through, one half of a very like potent halfback pairing. So I mean, it was kind of natural. It wasn't like the biggest shot out of the dock. I know from a rugby fans' perspective, there were established players like Bramford Stratton in the mix. There were like someone like Werner Swanepoel. Yeah. So obviously there was the the tried and tested. But at the coach, the coach at that stage was of course Nick Mallett, who just came off that world record run. Yes, he had. 
So again, this is a stage. I mean, you could not go into a better box setup than this. Essentially, thinking. Well, but if you think about it, I, I agree and disagree. There were a couple of guys that it's you know the Henry Honeyballs had now stopped playing. Um, that, those t- like the the James Smalls. At, I can't remember that. Just that kind of era where the, those big names had, had yeah. kind of stopped you know playing Springbok rugby. So there was, there was a, a new dec- setup. There was a decent nucleus in that side. There was a decent really nucleus. Was. No, there was a def- de- decent nucleus. Um, but there had been some senior players that had started to or had, had stopped playing for the box. So there were a number of new players. I mean, I remember if you look in that team, there was you know there was. Corner Cricket was Brayton Pulser, uh, Monty. These guys are all. Crane Otto was still. Crane Otto was still. Durant was still playing. Yeah. Prior yeah. to his resurgence under Jake, <laughs> it, was, it was solid. Yeah. And um, your your debut. Sorry, we're gonna have to start flying through your career. Here. I didn't realize it was such a substantial story. <laughs> Again, no disrespect. It was like I, yeah. I want to talk to you about the box, and I want to talk to you about current day. But this, <laughs> this is fascinating for me. Okay. Um, your debut was against Italy. Yes, it was. Came I played. Off, came off the bench. Came off the bench in uh, PE. 74-3 Okay So First taste of Bok rugby Easy game Easy game Next time Next next matchup Against Italy You guys win 101-0 yeah. You score two tries Yeah This international rugby gig Sounds like the business It was And funny enough As much as it was against Italy In a match It was 101-0 I think Um as a scrum off, it was one of my best games that I played. Yeah. Like, I really, my passing was good, my kicking were, was good, my break. Yeah, it was, I just felt good about it. Yeah, I was with Kaffi in and that Kaffi game. And started that, that game as well. Yeah, and I just, I, f- I felt good about my game. It wasn't like we were playing, you know, yes, I mean, it was 101-0, but I felt that my basics were good, and I felt confident about the way that my, my game was, w- 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 my game was at that stage. So from there, um, obviously, great start to the season. The box then went to Wales. Yes. Now, you and Kaffi were then benched for that match, and it was back to Van Straten and Swanepoel as the halfback pairing. Yeah. Wales won that match 29-19. But it was a strange kind of match because it was more like a tune-up to the Tri-Nations back then, right? It wasn't really yeah. – it was kind of like we had a bit of a gap. Let's go play this match. Yeah, and remember the stadium wasn't finished. It was the first game in the Millennium Stadium. Yes. It wasn't finished. So they only had uh, half the capacity that, that, that it was capable of. Um yeah, I came off the bench. I think the game was already lost, and I, th- I think I did decently in, in uh, under those circumstances. And I think sure. that's probably one of the reasons. I actually, I, I can't, and I can't guess why why we were picked. But uh, I think it was one of the reasons was why we were then picked. But now at this stage, again, like going to the psyche of a team and how a team vibe feels. Like, like wh- what did you feel the Bok camp was like back then? You had a great start. You're playing this match, didn't go so well, but now you got the, the Tri Nations ahead. Was it still like? Did you feel really great about being in the setup? Did you feel the coach was still very much in command, that kind of stuff? Was it a good? Was it a good place? Listen, I mean, I was on cloud nine, you know. So like, maybe I was missing a lot of it. You know, I was, I was playing. I'd been picked to play, to play against the All Blacks. I mean, who gets to do that? Yeah, which so, is obviously the, the next step here. Yeah, and you know, we, I hadn't actually stopped to think that you know, was this the, the next step, the right step for my career? You know, was I ready for this? You know, I had played limited, full Super Rugby games. I'd, I'd been more of an impact player in the beginning and done really well. And I think this, and this is why um, Andre Markov, I credit Andre Markov for making me the player that that I was becoming, is because he was putting me on every single match I knew with at least twenty to go. No, no, no less than that. I was coming on. And I'd play every game, no matter whether we were, it, we were drawing, winning, losing, and he would build me, build me, build me. And then I played, you know, towards the end of the, 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 that Super Rugby season where I came and played some full matches and really played well. And so it happened quite quickly. So, you know, maybe, you know, should I have played another season of Super Rugby? You know, possibly. Well, yeah, I guess it's hard yeah. enough. But it's also the thing is like, this is my opportunity. I'm going to take it because I, I feel I'm ready for it. So Nick Mallett then picked you and Kaffee to, to take on the mighty All Blacks. Yeah. In New Zealand, yeah, 
what was that because the, the team wanted to have a different sort of game plan? I mean, how does it, how does a pivotal selection like this, where seniors like Van Straten and Swanepoel are now benched, what, what like did he have a special message for you individually, or did he chat to you guys and say, look, we're going in this direction, we're picking these youngsters, this is what's going to happen today, or was it very much like a, well, you guys are picked, it's business as usual? Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I, it's quite a long time ago, so I can't remember the 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 exact detail of how or why we were picked. Um, if you think about it, we were playing down in Dunedin, and yep. it rains almost every day. Exactly. Okay. Now I'm a I'm a scrum off that came from bishops, like I, like I've told you. <laughs> and sorry, I'm gonna write it in the you, podcast from bishops. Um, and I I I was a running rugby kind of player. That's what I wanted to do. I like to break, and I like to you know I I was that type of rugby player. We we trained the entire week. We trained box kicking all week. We trained from everywhere. Khafi was going to kick, or I was going to kick. So, which was which was an unnatural for me. And now, was this even something you've done at Griquist level? Not. I mean, yes. I mean, we had, but like like I said, I came from a school where we didn't do that. So I was only now doing this in my professional career, which was. You know, was a was a very short time if you think about it in comparison to like we can talk about the New Zealanders at some point. They they taught a specific brand of rugby from you know five years old. They all yeah. play it, and I've been playing a specific type of rugby to a certain stage, and then all of a sudden now I'm having to learn these these other skills, which is necessary. But remember, it wasn't as professional back then as it is now, and you have to have well, especially the technical aspects, like technical that. aspects. Yeah. yeah, but to be honest, I still remember. I also remember the captain's run. We were doing the box kicks, and I was getting, I was landing them on a ticky. I mean, I remember Nick Mallet saying to me, "Dave, honestly, save some for the game." <laughs> I remember that comment specifically. So, I, so it wasn't that I was struggling in that department. I was, I, I had it under control. Okay, so you get into the big game, and a big game of what it was. But back then, like those games were very tight. It's not like the 50 average that you get now between the All Blacks and the, and the box. So the end result, they're being 28-0. Yeah. Obviously, this is just a horror match. People are outraged that the box cannot score a point. And it was a, it was a hammering back in those days. It was. Um, you know, whenever there's a bad loss for the box, there's got to be a scapegoat. It can't be Nick Mallet because he's been this fantastic hero of a coach. It's got to be, I don't know, maybe those two youngsters who started at nine and 10. Did you feel like a lot of responsibility on your shoulders just from that, that match? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have my best game. I mean, let's, let's be honest, but, but to get crucified like I did, uh, was unnecessary. I mean, I, listen, it, you know, digging up the past is like, you know, it, uh, it, Digging up a a, a, a a body. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's going to be gruesome and, and it's unnecessary. But yeah, in my sorry, mind, Dave. I don't want no, to. No, no, no. I mean, not for me. Not for me. I don't like. You know, I've learned so much from it, and okay. I'm okay with it. That's why. I mean, the tweet that that got me into this into the studio here. I wasn't. I was making light of a of a you know a sad day. It was yeah. a sad day for all of us. Sure. You know, and we we passionate South, South Africans. I'm not. I'm not here to mock South Africa or the, or the Springboks. I want us to win. But you know. Uh, so it, it's just uh, we we we're gonna dig it up. I got no problem with it. You know, I'll I'll say where I believe Nick Mallet went wrong. You know, to this day I haven't got a phone call from him. So in my mind, I'm still in that Springbok team. I was never dropped. If you know, I will make a joke out of it, but I never got a call. I just I, I woke up the next so, morning. So so what happened? I mean, the boxers took a twenty-eight nil drubbing, and then straight to Australia, and then what? Okay, guys, we're gonna do better this week. Yeah, well, we had. Oh, no, by the way, we you guys a, aren't playing. No, well, we obviously had a had a had a week. Uh, it was quite a week, and we had a, a video session where I was lamb myself and Kafi were lambasted. Um, we were also lambasted in the press. I remember I w- waking up and seeing the New Zealand Herald and uh, seeing the comments that Nick Mallet made and saying his grandmother could have played better and it was all our fault. And I mean that kind of stuff is not necessary. I mean, you look at you look at. No, that's not how you build a young career. <laughs> 
No, it's not how you build it. And you look at the way, I mean, you look at the way Steve Hansen is and the way, I mean, he's fielded some tough questions of people that have, you know, played bad, bad games. And it's, it's the way, it's the way you support your, your, your team. It's the way I, I've applied myself in my business. You know, you've got to, you've got to support people. Sure. You know, you can't, you can't, you, you're good enough clearly to play or you're good enough to be picked. So you've, you've got to be, you, you've got to be good enough to be survive more than one game, surely. Yeah, well, exactly. So that was it. You were out in that match. The next match was Australia versus SA and well, 32-6. You yeah. can take your pick, which was the worst loss, actually. <laughs> I played on the wing. You played on the wing. Tune. Okay. So, right. <laughs> so, and Dave, that was it, eh? From yeah, that was it. 12th June to 17th of July. That was your Bok career in a nutshell. Thanks for coming. You did very well. Yeah. Hope you enjoy the jerseys. Yeah. Was it really as horrible as that? I mean, it, you're a young guy. Your career is going on the up and up. You've done nothing yeah. wrong to this point. You're given a chance. And as you said, you admitted it wasn't your best game. But yeah. when the team loses 28-0, it's not because the scrum didn't do well. I mean, there's other factors here. And um, that was it. Nick Mallett didn't talk to you after that. Yeah. Listen, other I mean, your career wasn't like, how's it going? No, listen, I mean, I don't want to blame Nick. He's a, he's a fantastic guy. I mean, and he's, he's well respected. I, you know, I've got no issue with the guy. I, I mean, I think we should we be, we should be adult enough to be able to talk about things like sure. this, you know, and I think I would have appreciated a phone call. I probably still would, honestly, and I'd probably like, you know, have a beer and just say, like, hey, these things happen. We make be a very long, make- be a very long phone call. Though, huh? <laughs> Nick Mallet does not do a small conversation. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that happened, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty much like that. And I, and from there, just a whole sequence of events happened. And, and people keep, you know, thinking, oh, it was, you know, Nick Mallet that ruined me. I've, I've got to state this. It wasn't. I was fine. You know, I was, I was fine. I, it was a guy I'd gone, I'd gone, this game had happened and I was ready to go back and, and, um, and, and, and rebuild or, or, or start, or start playing again. That's all I wanted to do. But uh, we had this whole sequence of events and which I, I don't know if you've got time for, I can tell you. And, Okay, we've got, we've got, we've got 24 minutes. We can carry on here. Well, you don't want to talk about current rugby. I mean, this is not no, the Dave on Hislin show. No, it really is actually. I mean, I'm, I'm really into this story. We, okay. Maybe we make, make it a two part series here. Cause <laughs> I did like, I really wanted to get you in today to talk about how I believe and many people believe as well that the, the bar's been lowered with the box. You know, like you, we, you experienced one of the worst losses in box history. It, I was, I mean, but, I was, but, but Dave, if we lose 28 0 to the All Blacks this weekend, people are going to go, yeah, not so bad. Not so bad. That's what the thing, we're say. accepting mediocrity. Exactly. And I mean, like, uh, yes, you know, maybe it wasn't right for Nick Mallet to, or, or whoever to, to, to completely crucify me. But yes, when you're playing for the box, you know, you are the CEO of your, of your business. Yep. You are the best in your, in your position. And you are expected to, to, uh, you know, uh, Maintain a certain standard. Twenty-eight nil is not good enough Something if you're playing. Yeah. If you want to be the best in the world, and we are not a team that wants to, you know, play against Czechoslovakia. We want to play against New Zealand and beat them. Exactly, play against and, and not beat and them. not and not be happy with losing twenty-eight nil to them. Okay, so from there, I mean, your career. Okay, so this is a setback. That's all it is. It's a setback. Yeah. You then went down to the Stormers and played there. No, well, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll try and keep it as, as brief as possible. Okay. But I went back to 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 Griquas, and Griquas were uh, uh, Griquas had their their Curry Cup team, and and Swester Brain was the coach, and he didn't want to change his team because it was right near the end, and so he put me onto the bench because he wanted continuity. And obviously, this thing had happened at New Zealand, so I got a call from Ian Mack, and he said, Dave, what are you doing on the bench? So I said, well, this is what happened. He said, get down to the Sharks immediately because I'd already signed. He said, come down now. Yeah. So I went down and funny enough, the weekend I got there, I arrived in Durban and I was invited to watch the Sharks game and they didn't have a scrum off because they were injured and so they were going to play me. And they took Craig Davidson, who had played, been playing fly off up until then, okay. and put him in at scrum off. And he had a blinder. He had a blinder. Yeah. So 
I went from leaving Greek, well, Springboks to leaving Greek was to coming to Sharks, and now you got this guy playing a blinder. So I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm like, bench to bench, I'm bench to bench to bench. Well, well, drop to bench to bench. So the season ended, and we all went away. I went and you know gathered my thoughts and trained, and I came back, and I could just and Hughes Edwards had been made the coach. And I don't know if you remember that season. You lost every single game. Oh wow! Yeah. In in hindsight, I wish you hadn't, and I'll tell you now why. Um, so I I got back to I got back to the Sharks, and remember that we're still in those days when EP was part of the Sharks. Yes. And they had to have representation from from the different provinces. So I knew Chad Alcock was going to be picked for the Super Rugby uh, squad. Yeah. Craig Davidson ended the season and played blinders. He was going to get picked. So I knew I was on a hiding to nothing, but I, at, so, and we, we then got called in myself, Henty Martins, Craig and, and Chad got called in and said, listen, we've got four good scrum offs here. Uh, the Stormers are struggling. They don't have, they, they've got one in Dan Vinsale. Who of you wants to go to Cape Town? So I looked at that and I thought, let me go. I'm happy to go to Cape Town. I'll take it for the team and go I'll to take Cape it for the team, but I also knew I was not, I was going to be playing B team rugby if I stayed in, if I stayed in Durban. So I went down to the Stormers, uh, played a season there, um, Bit of, polit- bit of politics, which yeah, I, I, I started the first three games, and then a, a group of the guys went and said, well, why is Dave playing? Why is he starting? Because, uh, you know, Dan Vincell's a local boy, and he should be playing, and Dave should be benching. And, and I've got that from some of the players who came and told me after that's what happened. So I spent the rest of the season on the bench. I then, you know, I was getting frustrated. But I, still, I mean, I still remember wanting to play. Just couldn't wait to play. And I remember sitting outside Ian Solomon's door wanting to talk to him and say, why? You, you told me you're arresting me and now I've been resting for seven games. I'm ready to play again. Yeah, I'm pretty fresh. I'm, I'm pretty I'm fresh. Put me back on the... On the, on the and, and the Stormers played well that season. Eh? We did very well. Yeah. Um, the Sharks did not. They lost pretty much every game, I think. And we beat them in Durban. Um, but then after that, I came back and obviously Huri said we hadn't had the best time and he got, he got fired. And this is where it went pair for me. Is that... Uh, Rudolf Australi was was made the coach. Okay, no, and made the coach of the, the of sharks. the sharks. Yeah, right. Remember that? Yeah. So I had had, had a sequence of events, and um, yeah, I mean, there's this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold anything back. The, the guy made me hate the game. Just he, made, he took my absolute love for the game and ruined it. Now, was that again because he wasn't putting you in the team, or just the way he was as a coach? Just the way he was as a coach. I mean, you know, he he just was he's he, he had a very negative way of of coaching people. It, it was a, it was negative um, motivation. We would play touch rugby to warm up, and you would step five people, sprint the length of the field, score a try, and walk back as you're tired. And you would then punish everyone because I was walking, or someone was walking. So I'm going. So you're punishing people for doing well. He'd take us into the bush and make us push tractor tires around, and you know it was it was it was just I'm not that guy, you know. I'm, and and you need to like, to me you need to learn to to build people up, not break them down and think exactly. that's going to make them tougher. Yes, tough love sometimes works, you know. Like you know, like like Andre Markroff did with me. Yeah. Even though I knew I should be starting, he kept putting me on the bench and but kept motivating, telling me to keep playing, keep working on this. It was a form of empowerment. It was a form, yeah. So I was more and more motivated to to play. Rudolf Stadi didn't do that. He took the, he literally ripped it, went into my chest, ripped my love of the game and just stood on it. Oh, David, when you mention it like that, and then obviously we all know what happened with Rudolf's career from there, becoming Bok coach, yeah, he did. Camp stalled, stalled all that kind of stuff. I think he might have ripped the game out of a few people's hearts. Yeah. And but, it, but it's like, it's an old school kind of mentality that I believe still exists somewhere. And like, you know, when you see, Brenda Fenter blocking everybody on Twitter and you see the sort of head in the sand approach to a couple of things. I almost feel like 
this mindset around rugby is ingrained in every single level and there's great talented youngsters, there's great talented people. We want to talk transformation. I mean, it's tough for anybody to make it through rugby, okay? If you have this mindset around, oh, transformation is going to be so simple, just pick this guy, this guy, this guy. There's levels everywhere. But there's this old school mentality, which obviously Rudolph was back. I mean, I'm sure he's changed now. People with the Lions say he's a changed man. Yeah, I think that's because they keep him in an office in, the, in a white coat and they don't allow him out of there. <laughs> not allowed to talk to anyone. I'm not saying that he doesn't have ability. I just don't. Yeah, yeah, I, sure just, I just don't think. I think he's got the people skills of a floor tile. Right. And which you know, this is this is a sport where you need a hell of a lot more than the floor tile. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I can't blame everything. Listen, th- there's, th- I played my part too. Okay, I drifted and I went off and I was partying too much. I did because I was almost escaping. Well, but I just hated work. Sure, I hated work, and that was my work. It was my love. It was my passion. So what I wanted to do, and he just took that away from me. Which is not great to keep a career on the up and up. No, so. Sir. So from there, I mean, if you look at the current setup of where the box are now, you know, we just had, spoke about a 57-0 hammering. You know, there was outrage in all, all, all quarters. As you could see, his demeanor does not change any stage here. I'm not saying he needs to kick over water bottles or do anything really stupid or rash, but it doesn't seem like anything changes or phases him. Would you think that this is just indicative again of how the, the Springbok bar is lowered? Or with him, it's like, well, I'm going to keep this job regardless, so therefore I'll just carry on, and if it happens, it happens. Would that be a bit mean to say that? No, I, I, I just think, I don't think he knows what to say. You know, like, you know, I bet you he was, when he was appointed as Springbok coach, he probably was the happiest day of his life. But sure. then the reality sets in, and now, you know, all the things that you believe in, and transformation, and suddenly you're wishing, oh, oh, oh I wish I could just pick the best. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, maybe I'm going to into trouble for saying it, but I, I believe if you, it's okay, I'll, I'll take the rap. Will you take the rap? Yeah. It's okay. I'll take it too. I'm happy to do so. But um, you know, it's I, I, I think I was telling you before is that you know I watched the Daily Show with um, Trevor Noah. Yeah. You're saying about these mass killings, and about the, they keep happening, and every time they happen, there's obviously there's shock and horror, and then there's anger, and then there's sympathy. But the whole time they go, listen, we're not allowed to talk about guns. It's not the time to talk about guns. Yeah, it's, or gun- it's too sensitive. And I'm going, we kind of have the same approach with our rugby. You know, it's like what, what, it, transformation is so important. I believe that. But it's like a business. You know, you've got to get the, the, the grassroots right. If, you, if you're not getting grassroots right and you're having to do quotas in, in Springbok rugby, then you're failing. You're failing. I mean, listen, it, uh, I, I started my own business, but I, but I don't have the skills to be a CEO yet. I'm not the CEO of my own company. The guy, the guy that's the CEO is a guy that's got massive ex- experience in that, in that field. Yeah. So he's the CEO of a company that he bought into later, but I started a company. But I don't have the right to be a CEO yet at the moment. Okay. So I believe that you you need to you need to um, you need to have you know develop those skills from a young age, and so SA Rugby needs to be getting the grassroots level uh, right. They need to be building up through so that by the time we get to Springboks, we're picking the best players. It's as simple as that to me. Yeah, it really is that simple. And again, it's like as you could say, it kind of feels like well, he probably agrees with you, and he'll probably say, yeah, Dave, you're right. But that's never going to happen. It's quick fix stuff. I mean, you just try a plaster over everything in the box setup because it's a plaster job every single time. Yeah. Every single time. It's getting us absolutely nowhere. When is 57-0 a process? When is it, when is it okay? okay? And, and, and I mean, I, I, somebody said that I, I mean, Nick, even Nick Mallett said he felt sorry for the players or whatever he said. I said, well, he clearly didn't have that emotion back in 99. <laughs> Um, but it's never okay. You know, when you're losing 57-0, that's like getting 10% for a test. Exactly. You know, it's never acceptable. Well, not where we want to be playing. Well, exactly. But now, 
you know, there's no wholesale changes to the team as well. I know people always make a big thing about continuity. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater no. is a conversation that these guys often have. Yeah. But when you just lost 57-0, process or no process, or you can say, well, this happens against the All Blacks. Things get, you know, they run away with you. Bullshit. Yeah. Uh, there's so many excuses. The excuses are becoming the norm here. And the solution is this pie-in-the-sky thing which nobody really believes in. That's, the, that's what I'm picking up as a fan right now. Yeah. And that's where I think I'm really frustrated. Look, look, I, I did t- listen. I, I've tried to step back as well and look at that because it's easy to be angry. It's easy to be negative about the 57 or, and I, and I, listen, I, I am also, I'm also like deeply saddened or whatever you know, um, emotion you want to use there, uh, and shocked for distraught. the fraud, distraught for 57 nil. But you also got to look at the way that the New Zealanders played that day. They are a brilliant team. Yes. But everything clicked. Yeah. Everything clicked, and when a team like that does click, sometimes you're just on the on the high, on the, the the tail end of a hiding, and it just that happened to be that day. It, it maybe yes. wasn't a reflection the 57 or maybe it was just that they played that well that day. It's still not an excuse. It still shows the gaping hole between us and them. Yeah. But we do need to. I mean, if you were if you were impartial and you watched that game, uh, I think they even said it on the breakdown. If you watched the, the show, they said the, news, the the All Blacks were so good that day that they might have beaten themselves. If you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Uh, they were that good that day. But now going forward to this week, okay, expectations are that we're not going to win, obviously. Um, but you see, that's yeah. I mean, Alistair could see said it off to Australia after. I mean, how do you even say that? Yeah, but I almost feel like this is the first time he's really spoken like the truth. That yeah, now, it's just no, it's not <laughs> a nail in his coffin because now he's telling the truth. Although yeah. inconvenient as it is. So what are the actual expectations for this team now? Where do they go from here? Because obviously Brendan Fenter and the whole coaching staff, as could see the rugby media, they're all going to say, yeah, okay, it's a process. It's going to take a bit of time. The British and Irish Lions went down to New Zealand for, a, let's be honest, it's a makeshift tour. These mm. people come together. Warren Gatlin's their coach. So if you're not Welsh, you don't know the guy. Yeah. And he's got a certain idea and they have to play. And they don't lose the first test and go, well, guys, it's a process. Hopefully, you know, next year we'll be better. No, it's that tour. You've got to perform on that time. Yeah. Do you think the urgency has gone because the accountability has become so flexible and soft? I mean, do you really think that this is another problem? I know we've spoken about structures. And I think SA Rugby's problems are always bigger than one man or one coach or one player. Mm. I'm, I'm with you all 100%. The grassroots stuff needs to be addressed. And it maybe will only be great in five years, maybe. Yeah. But do you not think that right now expectations are so low but these guys are almost like they're feeding into this narrative like, oh, well, you know, we're not so great right now. We're going to get given time. Do you think that's a harmful thing for players to have in their mind? It is. Um, it is a harmful thing. And I, I think, you know, it's – Alistair Kutsia is never going to be able to pick the best. And what I mean by that is we've got so many players leaving and playing overseas because of the chance that they might just never get picked, yeah. even though they're good enough. So maybe he is picking the best of what we have right now, but he's never going to be able to pick the best. If you know what I mean, so we've got the, the issues that we have at home, and um, we've got the problems with the the the, the uh, what the, what the, the international teams can pay you. I mean, it's just there's a money thing that's you know it's yeah, another, sure. another thing we can't ignore. But but thirdly, you've got guys going well. You know, with everything that's going on, I, I'm pr- you know no matter how good I am, I might actually never make the team. So I'd rather just take my chances and go play somewhere else. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I'm saying within the, we've got we've still got lots of good players. We've we got do. Lots of great players. We do. We've got the biggest rugby, like you said, Selimbosh, biggest rugby club in the yeah. world. We we shouldn't have a problem with depth. And if you watch a bit of Curry Cup, or whatever, we've got great players who aren't white. Surprise, yeah, no, surprise! Ab- who would have no, thought? It's yeah. amazing. We really do. Yeah. But I feel that how can this team still be so un- unchanged? They played against some pretty substandard opposition earlier in the season. Granted, they're you're going to beat us in front of you. 
but there's got to be like New Zealand, the, the team they're putting out this weekend, people are saying is inexperienced. That team is as good as any team they can throw out right now because they keep changing guys up. So when they come into this team, even if they got four test caps, whatever, they know what's going on here. Yeah. Where is this team in this process that we speak of? Where are they trying different things? Why is Andrews Kassia playing every game at 15 when Warwick Gallant's a good player or Jesse Creel might be a better 15 than the 13? Yeah. Does that not worry you as well how these guys – it's almost like they've got this lager mentality now mentally. It's like, well, it's going badly, but let's really play ourselves out of our ruts. Well, I just think, you know, the, the difference between if we're going to talk about New Zealand and us is that New Zealand had their structures that are in place that have been, been going on probably since 95. You know, we, we carried on with the same, you know, we, we didn't develop. And as you know, you know, owning a business, if you don't develop as a, as a company, you're going to get stuck. Especially and, you're going to innovate, yeah. Yeah, and you don't innovate. You're going to, you're going to get stuck and you're going to, and you're going to get left behind. And, and we haven't changed anything. Suddenly we're now trying to catch up. And so with, with the New Zealand structures, you've got everyone agreeing on a specific type brand of rugby. They play it from grassroots all the way through. So when they get to, to the to the New Zealand side, they're playing the exact same rugby they've been playing since they were five. Yeah. And so when someone gets injured or when a Dan Carter retires, you just got the next guy that steps into it. Next three and, they, guys, yeah. and so the depth is is massive, not because of the massive pool, but just because of the structures they have in place. And so the foundation is strong. It's like anything. You don't have to be the you don't have to have the most players to be the, to be the, the I mean, it's proven by New Zealand. You don't have to have any decent Australian side will tell you that. Yeah. yeah. But if you've got your structures right and your foundation right, uh, and it goes back to the transformation thing. If you've got your structures right and your foundation right, by the time you get to the box, you can be picking the best players and they're going to know it. Exactly. But I just feel like because we're trying so hard to get a result at the box level, is that we're trying hard but doing nothing. Yeah. So I agree. I think we've got one of the greatest feeder systems going. I mean, I've, I've spent lots of time on this show talking about development and how we get talent through. And I've yeah. been to places where you see young talent coming through. Yeah. Black, white, whatever. We've got yeah. great talent coming through in this country. But if it's it's just... You look at the top and it's become so rotten. I'm not saying like corruption, like politics. It's become so rotten that these guys don't know really where they're going. Yeah. Now, take, for instance, someone like, you know, your career, which was, you know, it never maybe got its full potential because of these systems in place. These systems haven't changed. They haven't become better. They haven't. Nothing. Look, obviously, a coach always picks certain players because it's still a subjective thing they go through. So there's never an exact science there. But how many other great talents are we losing in this country? And then we get guys who just seem to can't get out of the team either. Yeah. You know, these are all things that, again, this is a 17 part series, this conversation, <laughs> and it, there is no answer. Yeah. But, um, it is hugely frustrating, and it's nice to get your views on this because I think it's also a very consistent view. Get our grassroots structures right, and then we can pick our best. Yeah. Right now, we don't even know how to pick our best because we try and do things that, I don't know, it's, again, it's plastering over. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Dave, we've got to wrap it up here. If you were playing for the box this weekend, how confident would you be in this team that it could actually be competitive? Well, I, I read a, an article um, where uh, uh, who was Mark Keown yeah. said maybe this is the game you know that you know will win because you know New Zealand you know they seem to they seem to lose focus you know once they've won everything they were bad against Australia and I'm like it, that's such, it's such a sad thing to think that possibly we could actually win. Because with a handicap. With a handicap because they're just not in it. I see they've picked their best side. Hopefully, you know. Well, they've got an inexperienced front row. Yeah. Obviously, Retellic's out because of his uh, well, they've, wife. They've, yeah, they've picked a strong side, should I say. It's a, it's a, it's a bloody good it's side. It's a very good side. Um, Backline's as good as it could be. I, I wouldn't. I don't know how confident I would be. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I still believe I can. <laughs> yeah, well, but, no, exactly. But that's the thing. It's like, do any of us have confidence for this weekend? This thing that I'm really getting at here. No, I just think we'd be very surprised. We'd be we'd be ecstatic, obviously. But I think, um, you know, at the end of the game, and we've lost it, we would 
we'd all kind of just expect it. Yeah. And margin wise this time around? In, in Cape Town, Listen, it won't rain. After the last, <laughs> after the last game, um, before the last game, I said we'd lose easily, you know, ten to fifteen points. And I, I, that's what I, my prediction. To lose fifty-seven, I was flabbergasted. So I, I, I'm, I'm scared to make a prediction. You know, I, I don't think that they'll have the fifty-seven nil margin again. Um, listen, looking at the last three games, you know, they've all been big. Fifty average, yeah. Yeah. So. I, I I wouldn't want to put put money on. I don't think we will win. I, I I hope in my heart of hearts that we do. You know, but I think it will be a surprise to every single one of us if we do. That and it, and we'll probably and we'll probably be saying, oh, it's because New Zealand, you know, it wrapped it up and and not because we played. Yeah. We, we you 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 don't just suddenly become a great team overnight. No, exactly. And Dave, just to finish off the your work with the South African rugby legends, uh, it's more than just a bunch of guys getting together, playing a match, and having a few beers afterwards, isn't it? Yeah. No, it is. It's absolutely. Um, it's a it's a great foundation, and I, I try to do as much as I can for them. Um, and that's and I've seen to myself. You talk about going to these places, and you see the grassroots, and you see these little kids playing rugby. It's 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 incredible to watch, and and it it's it, it's so inspiring to see the way they they just love playing rugby uh, and and it gives me hope for the future and i hope that that somehow we can we our structures that sa rugby can you know can can take the blindfolds off and see the potential we actually do have yeah. and and do it right do it for rugby don't do it for their own personal agendas do it for rugby because there are guys out there and they i've seen it i've seen it i've seen them the, the way they they i mean these are little guys in townships i mean you know they they, they live in a, they live in a shack but they're the happiest little bunch of guys that all they want to do is play this game so there's potential there's there's ability there's and if you give them enough love and you and, and, and enough enough attention we will we could be great again at springbok uh, as a springbok team mm, i totally agree with you if you want to interact with dave on twitter it is at dvh09 that's dave on twitter dave thanks so much for your time today and um look i guess we can we can talk forever i mean your your story of your career was very interesting and i think there's just so many other stories that we never see like what goes into these teams why they lose what's the reaction what's it really like to be a player and on social media all you do is you just sling hurt around nowadays well maybe we can also just sympathize with the players who go through these tough times as well yeah remember it's not their fault huh? it's you What's know these true? these guys all want to play for their country these guys all want to do their best I don't think they go out there you know with a mentality of we're going to we get the, you know we're, we're going to lose but or they, we're okay with losing we're okay with losing no they okay don't no they don't and I do I sympathize in that respect but we've you know it's it's like anything you're as you're as good as your weakest link and I think there are too many weak links we've got to fix those but there's but to end on a positive like I said I've seen I've seen the, 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 the potential that's out there let's just do what's right for rugby cool and you can do what's right for sport by visiting thebounce.co.za bit of a stretch but why not otherwise follow me on twitter at follow the bounce and go onto youtube follow the bounce is my account on youtube you can see all the videos there last week i played against sean hugo from the sunshine tour you see how that got on and um yeah i'll be putting together a little video around this and uh what goes into making a podcast that's about it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Catch you back tomorrow. The Gareth Cliff Show, cliffcentral.com, 6 till 9 a.m. South African time. Cliffcentral.com.